Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike German. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, as well as our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. We are recording this on a Tuesday, the day after Canada Day. I hope you guys uh, had a good Canada Day. Was it nice? It was fine. Yeah. Canada Day is always uh, usually traveling back from a cottage or you're in a car. It's yeah, never usually the good day. Yeah, the day itself is kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. The day before is great. The Sunday. Yeah. Because, you know, you no one has to The Sunday the feels day. like a Saturday. Yeah. I always wonder with you, Max, because like whenever we get like a holiday, it's like, oh, nice. We don't have to go into work on mm-hmm. Monday or Friday. You have no sort of conventional hours. Do yeah. you even feel when something like that is happening? Every day is kind of a holiday for me. I'll be <laughs> honest. <totally honest. laughs> Every day is Canada Day for you. But I will say it only affects me in that I pick up on the moods of my friends. Mm-hmm. So if I was like, hey, let's go out tonight, like uh, on Monday, Canada Day, people go, no, I have to go to work the next day, which would bum me out. Yeah. So I like holidays because uh, it's a reflection of what my friends are up to. So a Saturday night does still feel like a Saturday night because your friends are off. Because everybody's still, got juice. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. so, so that's how you feel sort of the ebb and flow of the week. Exactly. Through your friend's yeah. energy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, mysteriously, we got a text message from Erica this morning at oh. like 730. Mm-hmm. Saying, Intern Erica. Saying, guys, I'm not really feeling... Uh, that great this morning. I was hoping I could uh, just get the files and I'll mix it down. So the question is, though, do you think she's actually sick or do you think she's hungover? Well, right let's now? take a vote here. There's three of us. Yeah. We can make a deciding. Mike, what's your vote? Sick or not? I'm going to go hungover. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to believe her. What do you say? I definitely think she's sick from being hungover. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely think she's hungover. Yeah. Because when you're hungover, there's like. A certain inability just to like take on the world, Mm -hmm. which I think is different than like if someone has like a pretty bad cold or like I'm feeling a little feverish. Like you can like if you're a little feverish, you could tough it out. But being hungover, like I cannot possibly get out of bed to go do a thing and interact with people because interacting with people when you're hungover is a nightmare. And she used special wording in the what text. Did she say? Like when you're actually sick, it's like I'm sick. When you're hungover, you're like I think I might have to maybe sit this one out. And the text is just cloaked in shame, right? Because it's like maybe if you're mad, I can come in. Like you know, yeah. But yeah, she's she's younger, and the younger people like to drink. And Canada Days, I feel like a big holiday for someone in their early twenties. So. It's understandable. Yeah, and Erica, I can see, uh, and I see this uh, in ourselves as well, but she's a younger version, that, you know, someone puts the idea in her head, Sunday night, let, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. I can see her getting swept away. Well, the Sunday night, I mean, this is, yesterday was Monday. Yeah. So what happens, I mean, Monday, yeah. So what happens is it's like you go for a brunch. Oh, it's Canada Day. Let's go to a patio. And that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, it's like 8 o'clock and you're 2 a.m. drunk and you're like, oh, shit, tomorrow's Tuesday and I yeah. can't go to work. Well, everyone's at like a cottage and they're wearing like Canada Day bikinis and stuff. <laughs> you know, your wife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did zoom in on that, but I'll be honest. <laughs> Happy Canada Day. Uh, yeah. All right, Erica. All right. Well, you better, well, you better edit the shit out of this. No, do, do not edit this. No, no don't you drop better a word. Mix the hell because Erica will be editing this. Hopefully, she's feeling a little better by the time these files get to her. <laughs> you know, maybe she's had a, an egg McMuffin and a coffee. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but whether it is a hangover or you're legitimately, uh, you know, ailing from a flu, we hope you get better. Get well soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect it'll be around four o'clock today. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I get better when I'm sick. I'm doing yeah, that turning today. point is yeah. really important. Okay, so today the topics, fellas, are. Uh, we're going to talk Taylor Swift because she's been in the news for uh, some sort of insidery music biz stuff. Uh, music catalogs, who owns the, the rights to the music. There's a lot of money, especially uh, on her tracks because they are so internationally famous. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about that uh, because obviously I think Max has a unique 
perspective. This is Manager Ash's favorite subject in the world. Really? Oh, she's so excited for this episode. Great. I almost wish she could be on it, but then she'd she'd probably want to silence herself uh, just out of, you know, reputation. Yeah, she's such a a savvy, uh, like, I feel like she would sort of not contribute in such a loose way because she's so um, sort of self-aware and like sort of the ability, like, maybe I shouldn't speak on this. Yeah, well, she'd be the first person to go, all these people are fucking crazy morons for like talking out on this, (laughs) but which is what makes it so exciting because this is the kind of industry chatter I'll let you set up in a second, though, that um, that happens probably all the time behind closed doors, which makes this whole situation so um, delicious. It's out in the public. Yeah, because it's, it's like you, we being in the industry, we've heard we've all heard versions of this kind of story where like various bigwigs fucking hate each other, and you know they're fighting over you know a slice of the pie. And things get really nasty, but it never comes out in this way. So set it up, Mike. Well, hey, yeah. Let, you know, let's just jump right into Taylor Swift. We'll get to the other t- subjects after this one. So uh, essentially, uh, Taylor Swift was signed to Big Machine, I believe is the name of the label, uh, run by Scott Borchetta. A close personal friend of mine. That's right. You've been on the launch with him on CTV. Uh, he's a former pod guest. Um, so he owns that label. He's the guy that discovered um, Taylor Swift and did her first, what, six records? How many records? Five. First four, five, five records, yeah. whatever. The first part of her catalog, all of her like major sort of albums, like a lot of her major major hits were done on this label so whenever you sign a deal like this and I don't know the full nature of her deal but there's obviously like sort of like a rights share and like um, a publishing and all that stuff that Big Machine would own so even though she's the generator of the creative they will own a piece of that business so Scott Borchetta decides to sell the label. When you sell the label, when you buy a label like that, you inherit all of the assets. And one of those assets is Taylor Swift's catalog, which is worth, like I said, millions. I don't know if he totally sold the label. He sold the, the, her catalog or part of the catalog. I think he sold everything. He sold everything? And then they got the catalog with the label. Oh, okay. Interesting. So he sold the label to Scooter Braun, who is... Justin Bieber's manager. Scooter Braun brought it for a reported $300 million. That's why I don't think it was just the catalog. I think he bought the whole, I think he bought okay. Big Machine, which involved her catalog because um, Scott Brichetta just sent an email out to the, the label saying, hey, Scooter's got a vision. It's going to be great going forward, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but that, that was how oh, I okay, okay. You're probably right. Um, so this happens. It's kind of like this big news drop, but again, kind of an industry thing that sort of matters, doesn't really matter. Again, wouldn't even really be a news item outside of the music industry if not for the fact that Taylor Swift decided to get on Tumblr and make a post about how this is absolutely the worst thing that could have happened to her. And here's why she said it could have been the worst thing that happened to her. She doesn't like Scooter Braun. I guess she feels like Scooter Braun is like a bully and that him and Bieber, there was something with Kanye and and Kim and this whole like, you know, there's like past beef. Oh, yeah, there is. I mean, the big one is that um, Kanye has a song. Well, Kanye famously interrupted Taylor Swift at that award ceremony like 10 years ago. He now he then put out a song a few years after that about him. Him and Taylor still might have sex. Do you guys remember that lyric? Yeah. Yep. And then and Taylor was very outraged by that song. And then Kim um, published a phone call or she sent out a phone call between Taylor secretly and Kanye, recorded. secretly recorded, where kind of proves that Taylor maybe knew that the song was going to come well, out. Well, in the snippet, it's uh, Taylor giving her consent to yeah. use that and be seeming very cool with the lyric. Yeah. And then afterwards, she said she wasn't cool with the lyric. Right. So, uh, so because of that, she has beef with Scooter Braun. So the fact that it's Scooter that now owns like the the majority of her catalog, I think, is crushing her. There was actually a similar story to this back in the day, where the Beatles, uh, basically Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, had done a song called "Say Say Say" together. And I guess while on set, Michael said, "Hey," or sorry, Paul said to Michael, "Hey, just so you know, all the big money is in publishing. You need to buy music rights." Michael Jackson goes, "Oh, that's interesting." 
and Michael Jackson decided to, with his vast wealth, buy the rights to the Beatles music catalog. <laughs> Paul's like, I wasn't talking about our catalog. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and, but Paul wanted to buy it. So Paul was bidding eventually against Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson outbid him. And so for years, uh, Michael Jackson owned the Beatles catalog, which oh, it actually ruined the relationship between Paul and Michael. And Paul was like, fuck, I want to own my own music, and I can't because I couldn't afford it. I think Taylor's been trying to buy her catalog back as well. This is what she sort of says in her Tumblr post. So ultimately, she says, this is my Wait, wait just because just, I want to understand something. Owning the music just means you can use it in movies and stuff. And that's very profitable. That's the thing they want to own. There's also rights when you play it live. So when Taylor Swift okay. plays, uh, I don't know, name a huge hit from hers, like from her early Romeo and Juliet, let's say. I don't think that's the name of the song, but yeah. Yeah, what's it called? <laughs> Love Story. There you go. <laughs> I'm not like the biggest fan. Uh, she uh, that like you have to pay a royalty when you pay it live. Am I right? Ryan? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's live live royalties from. The so stars. Scooter Bond oh, okay. will now get paid every time she goes on tour. Wow. Scooter Bond okay. will get paid every time it gets placed in the music. She still makes every money. time it gets streamed. Yeah, he'll, he'll make the money. Very cool. As a part owner in the in the in the track, um, she'll probably still get the majority, depending on the deal. Yeah, in the master license, and the, and the master is for that original recording that originally Scott Bruschetta paid for as Big Machine label. And now he sold that the right to Scooter Braun. Now he'll he'll take the money for it. Yeah. So she says, "This is my worst case scenario." Talking about Scooter Braun buying the catalog. Uh, when I left my masters in Big Machine label group founder Scott Bruschetta's hands. I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them, she writes. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. She then goes on to talk about, uh, she's like, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. So, Max, what about uh, this do you find like sort of so juicy other than the fact that it's dirty laundry out in, in, in a public forum? Oh, I love so much of it. Well, I mean, um, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love all of it, honestly. Um, well, there, I mean, the first part is just the way everybody responds, which maybe we should start with first. So um, she puts out this statement on her Tumblr, and then Scooter's wife gets involved. I saw that. And then Scott Porchetta puts out a statement. And then Scott Borchetta's business partner, former business partner, puts out a statement. And then every celebrity is Justin com- Bieber put out a statement. To B- oh, yeah. Bieber, Scooter. I think, was, he was they, the first maybe, one. I think Bieber was the first Which one. Which side is he on? Scooter's his manager. He loves Scooter. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, and it's like worded in a funny written. way. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to be the grammar police, but. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Should I just read Bieber's statement? Yeah, read Bieber's statement. Okay. We're just gonna- yeah, and it is, it is totally worth, uh, worth the deep dive here, folks. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so just the way everybody sort of is now getting involved again in issues that people normally wouldn't like typically comment on. So you got there, Mike? Yeah, he's like. Uh, so he posts a photo of him and Taylor Swift from like ten years ago, and he goes, "Hey Taylor, first of all, I would like to apologize for posting that hurtful Instagram post." So that was one of the beefs she had. That I guess they kind of bullied her uh, during the Kanye thing. Um, at the time, I thought it was funny, but looking back, it was distasteful and insensitive. I have to be honest, though. It was my caption and post that I screenshotted of Scooter and Kanye that said, Taylor Swift, what up? He didn't have anything to do with it, and it wasn't even a part of the conversation. In all actuality, he was the person who told me not to joke like that. Dot, dot, dot. Scooter has had your back since the days you graciously let me open for you. As the years have passed, we, have, we haven't crossed paths and gotten to communicate our differences, hurts, or frustrations. So for you to take it to social media and get people okay. to... Hold on. So up to that point, it's actually quite a gracious apology. That's kind of a good way to mend fences. And That's be like, a pretty good way. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. However, <laughs> uh, okay. So for you to take it to social media 
and get people to hate on Scooter isn't fair. What were you trying to accomplish by posting that blog? Seems to me like it was to get sympathy. You also knew that in posting that your fans would go and bully Scooter. Anyway, one thing I know is both Scooter and I love you. I f- <laughs> <laughs> That's a turn I wasn't yeah. expecting. Well, yeah, he's I, turned twice already, yeah. right? He's like, nice. Got it going for her. Back to nice. Carry on. <laughs> I feel like the only way to resolve conflict is through communication. So banter back and forth online, I don't believe solves Which anything. is what he's doing right yeah. now. Yep. I'm sure Scooter and I would love to talk to you and resolve any conflict. Why is, why is Bieber all of a sudden involved in this, by the way? Like, let me broker this. Why don't the three of us sit down? It's really between Scooter well, and Taylor. I think because Taylor had that picture of him in the bullying thing. And that's a right. big accusation these days. Okay. Uh, I'm sure Scooter and I would love to talk to you and resolve any conflict, pain, or or any feelings that need to be addressed. Neither Scooter or I have anything negative to say about you. We really, he just said <laughs> negative things about her. Well, uh, maybe he's done. Maybe, oh, maybe yeah. That's that's, no more, we don't have any more negative <laughs> yeah. things to say about you. Uh, we truly want the best for you. I usually don't rebuttal things like this. But when you try and deface someone I love's character... That's mm. crossing a line. Yeah. I would have sent that to like a lawyer or somebody very smart first, had them <laughs> edit it, and then put it on the caption, wouldn't you? Oh, oh, of course. Like you're probably good at writing those sort of things. So you oh, need no, to, but the but editing process is yeah. intense. You know, you, you don't want to spell your incorrectly. You know, oh, like there was that. a lot of like use as the letter. And by the way, whatever. Justin's a pop star. You know, he's whatever. He, who cares, right? Yeah. So, it, it's the sentiment of what he's saying. We're not the grammar police, like you said. I'm sure we could all get killed on. on. Okay, of so course. Then, that's why I send it to my wife to edit it anytime I put, do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then uh, Yale, um, who is Scooter's wife, she puts out a statement. Uh, her name's Yale. Yale. Yeah. Yale. I always. Say Were you following her before this? No, I was. I saw. Well, I saw you like it. So I was yeah, like, Shane's all about. Well, why I, did you follow her? Well, you know, uh, she she doesn't look bad. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let me just say, you've been following Scooter Braun's wife all this time. To just, be fair, she has four hundred thirty-seven thousand. I just I never yeah. even knew who, who this person was yeah, as an entity. I mean, she, she's a bit. I mean, Scooter. and I started following her when I was single. For the record, for the record, for anyone's listening, I don't know. It's just an interesting follow. Like, how do you even come across her? I just love my wife. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, so Yale Post, what does she post? Do you want to read Yale or I'll read it? You're a better reader than me. Okay, I've never been one for public airing of laundry, but when you attack my husband, here we go. Let's start with at Taylor Swift. Whoa. Then let's get the facts straight. You were given the opportunity to own your own masters. You passed. Interesting that the man you're so, quote, grossed out by believed in you more than you believed in yourself. Your dad is a shareholder and was notified, and Borchetta personally told you before this came out. So no, you didn't find out with the rest of the world. And girl, who are you talking about bullying? The world has watched you collect and drop friends like wilted flowers my husband is anything but a bully he spent his life standing up for people and causes he believes in beyond that it's easy to see the point of uh, putting this out was to get the people to bully him you're supposed to be a role model but continue to model bullying. <laughs> wow. He's a manager, not God. He can't control the actions of other humans, even once he manages. Don't blame him because Kim caught you in a lie. It's embarrassing. I know, but adults own up to their mistakes. We learn and grow from them. We don't divert blame and blur the lines of reality to suit our own needs. What you haven't seen is what happens behind closed doors when he has supported and stood up for you, when he has challenged his clients to be kind or be quiet, when he's reached out uh, an olive branch to you on a number of occasions. Scooter was so excited to work and build with you. How embarrassing this temper tantrum is because you didn't get your own way. He believe, he believes in and supports you, and I sincerely hope you can learn to love and believe in yourself the way my husband does, which is so condescending. Wow. Keep, uh, well, it's almost done. Lastly, if you think he can control his clients, please control your fans. Leave our personal life and kids out of this. You don't understand yet... 
you don't understand that yet, which I guess is inferring like being a mom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what line that crosses, but one day you will. And I hope that you have the dignity, class, and kindness to leave your fans out of this and have an open discussion. Tumblr can't fix this. A phone call can. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty devastating. Yeah. I got to say. That's oh, why I that double tapped. That's why I double tapped. That's why it. Shane liked it. Yeah, yeah, I'm on her side. Yeah, that's and, why and he I liked believe it, her. along with the bikini <laughs> pics. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no. I've never. Okay, what's her Insta? I gotta look at. I gotta it's, look it's, at it's, Y-A-E-L, it's Yale. Just, she, she got the first Yale. Yale. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say the name. Um, and then she disabled her comments because I guess I guess she was getting attacked. Oh, the Swifty fans. Yeah. Also, yeah. another another piece of this. I, I was kind of scrolling through the thing. She just posted a photo with Carly Kloss, who famously used to be Taylor's Besties. best friend, a week ago. At Carly Kloss's wedding, apparently Carly Kloss. I was listening, by the way, to Juliet Littman's podcast on the Ringer, and she just does a thing this morning on this issue. It's really fucking good. So if you're if you want to learn more, uh, that that podcast is wicked. Um, but yeah, so I wonder what the story. Do you see that? Do you see that photo with Carly Kloss? No. Yeah. So they're all hanging out. Oh yes. Yeah, I I only looked at that photo to check out the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, we're in a situation where celebrities are going to have to take sides. Whether are you on Team Taylor, and you're going to start... Uh, what are you looking at, Mike? Just, I'm looking at her Instagram. <laughs> Deep diving. <laughs> uh, yeah, she looks like a very uh, good mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. Great mom. But anyway, um, so then... Um, so I, I, so what do you guys make of uh, that response? You're, you're I thought it. it was excellent. Yeah. I uh, thought that was devastating. And I, it was well-worded. You know, yeah. Bieber should have sent his statement to her to edit, and exactly. then she could have sent it back. Yeah. So then I think the big kicker here is the Borchetta statement. Did you read this one? I haven't. Oh, it's really, really good. Should, should I read it for the people or are you going to give it to us, Max? Uh, I have it here, right here. It, it's kind of long, um, but basically... Do you want to just sum it up? Paraphrase? Um, so basically, Borchetta comes out saying, listen, the idea that you didn't know this was happening is a total lie. Your dad is on the board of directors. These conversations were happening a week ago and... Uh, not only did your dad know this was happening, but also your lawyers knew this was happening. And also, I texted you uh, as a courtesy. I didn't need to text you, but the night before it came out, and you ne- and you never got back to me. So it's like, he, so he says, so sure, maybe there's a reality where you never saw my text, or maybe there's a reality where you never talked to your lawyer or never talked to your dad. Uh, but I find that hard to believe. Um, it goes on and on here. Um, he and he also he tries to. Um, I think Scott tries to make a point of saying it's like, you know, when you decided to part ways, uh, this would have been early in the year, and sign with Universal as, as opposed to uh, a new deal with Big Big Machine, you know, I was, you know, I was publicly happy for you. And, and, and obviously, probably sucked for him on, on a certain level. But, like, there was no bad blood. And he's trying to say, it's like, this was... Is that a pun? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well done, Max. <laughs> Any pun I've ever made has always been by accident. But I'm not kidding. Um... But he, um, so he, 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 he doesn't screen crap, uh, screen crap, screen cap the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the text receipts, but he does type them up. Um, the, this is the text Taylor sent to me on Monday. Oh Scott- my God. It's getting this. Oh like, my God. That's, oh, that's, that's a, that's a weird step to take, but go on. Uh, it will, he, well, first he goes, uh, as for comments about being in tears or close to it any time my new partner, Scooter Braun's name was brought up. I certainly never experienced that. Was I aware of some prior issues between Taylor and Justin Bieber? Yes. But were there also times when Taylor knew that I was close to Scooter and that Scooter was a very good source of information for upcoming album releases, tours, etc. And I'd reach out to him for information on our behalf. Yes. Scooter was anything but positive about Taylor. He called me directly about Manchester to see if Taylor would participate. Participate, referring to Ariana Grande's Manchester concert. The charity mm-hmm. concert, yeah. Uh, brackets, she declined. 
Oh. He called me directly to see if Taylor wanted to participate in the Parkland March because Scooter has been famously really involved in gun violence. Brackets. She declined. Wow. <laughs> Scooter has always been and will continue to be a supporter and honest custodian for Taylor and her music. Um, this is the text Taylor sent to me Monday, November 17th at 8.57 a.m. Scott, I hope, hope this finds you well. Since our communication ran dry on negotiations, I've done what I told you I would do and gone out and explored other options. Owning my master's was very important to me, but I've since realized that there are other things that mean even more to, my bigger, to me in the bigger picture. I had a choice whether to bet on my past or to bet on my future, and I think knowing me, you can guess which one I chose. I also saw a rare opportunity to affect positive change for a lot of other artists with the leverage I have right now. I know you believe in the same things uh, I do, and I like to think that uh, you'd be proud of what I've negotiated for my deal. I wanted to tell you first that I'll be signing with Lucian, who is the head of Universal Music. Uh, I honestly, truly cherish everything you and I have built together, and I plan on saying so in my new announcement of the new deal. What we accomplish together would be a lasting legacy and a case study and excellent partnerships and may it continue. I still view you as a partner and a friend. I hope you feel the same. Uh, sending you a hug and my most sincere gratitude and so much love, Taylor. Uh, here's the morning. Here's what I sent the next day. Dear Taylor, hope is all is well. Congratulations on the success of your new uh, two singles Lover, from Lover. I can't wait to hear the entire album. I want to pass along to you the same courtesy that you pass along to me in regard to my future. Tomorrow morning at 10 Central, the Wall Street Journal will announce that I'm entering a merger acquisition with Scooter Braun and Ithaca Holdings. This move will give us more pop culture superpower than ever before, and I'm so excited about the future. I wanted to know you... I wanted you to know that I will continue to be the proud custodian of your previous works and will continue to keep you and your team abreast of all the future plans and releases of your work. Nothing but the best, Scott. So, and, and he sent a screen uh, screen grab of like the deal points that he had offered her. So, by the way, I think a lot of people are conf- a little bit confused because why, okay, why is Taylor so upset yeah. that this is happening? Um, and uh, because, and he, and he talks about, I want to be an honest custodian of your work. So I guess you were right. So when it's a merger acquisition, I guess it means that he will stay on, even yeah, though he, like Scooter will own the majority. Scooter will yeah. own it. Yeah. And and th- there are there are definitely instances where maybe the music um where maybe Taylor would want to use the music, those those masters in a certain way. He could or, be a gatekeeper. Yeah. And Scooter could go, no it's like, oh you you want to do this thing? No, I'm not you know, I'm anti Nike. So I'm not gonna let you use that song in theory. Nike. Yeah. In, in theory. But I think it's. I think her issue is that I hate this camp, Scooter yeah. and Bieber and all these guys, and I now have to work with them, yeah. no matter what. Uh-huh. I have to be on some sort of email chain. They're now part of my life. Yeah. I cannot just cut them out. Which is funny because this is how incestuous this whole thing is. So Lucian, who she mentions is signing, who is the head of Universal Records International, he and Scooter are next door neighbors in Palm Springs. He is he is a mentor to Scooter Ron. Scooter's own label is through Universal, as is Big Machine. Like all these people interact kind of have to interact with each other all the time anyway sure so um i think i think it's funny because there's a lot of taylor swift fans out there that are coming to her defense and don't quite understand the nuances or the kind of history of how the music industry was built and how it fucking works but just go this is outrageous that a, that a man is owning a woman's music well a lot of artists have jumped in you see haim have been they have their team taylor like uh, oh, no, halsey, no. halsey. halsey you, yeah they're they're definitely this is an angle that they're taking, which is, and I mean, obviously, like the man-woman thing. It's more, this kind of talks about what we talked about last episode. It's the idea of who are the money people and do they own the creative? Yeah. But sure. they, they, they do, right? That's part of the deal going That's into it. That's the arrangement. And people are trying to... Anyone fu- who's defending it is going from an emotional angle, like, I wrote this song on a toilet, and now you have it? It's but, like, but they might the be deal. trying to break the wheel. They might want to break the system. Because Max is saying, well, this is how the business works. Well, okay, well, there's, I mean, there's, it's, it's more nuanced. And by the way, I, I didn't mean my tone to sound like, fuck Taylor and like 
those people should own the like Scooter Braun should own the. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there is a history uh, in the music industry of artists being taken advantage for sure. Go back to like the 1950s oh with God, with yeah. black musicians who signed terrible deals and then they and and they never made a dime. Like famously, I think Chuck Berry made very little money off his... He had to be on the road until he was like 90 just yeah. because, uh, yeah, he didn't make any money probably off his masters. Yeah, off the masters and, and like savvy businessmen because basically a, a label acts as a bank so they take a, a chance like, like a startup on a young artist and 99% of the time they don't make their money back and I mean that's that's not statistically correct necessarily, but a lot but of the times mo- they most, don't. Most yeah. of the time, no. Lennon and McCartney, the most famous songwriting team in pop music, yeah. got a terrible deal. Got a terrible deal. Yeah, and one uh, percent of the time, the label makes their money back on a Lennon McCartney or a Taylor Swift. So, like, should there be, I don't know. Maybe oh. some legislation on how the deals work to make sure that, like, in the event, you know, Taylor the, uh, Taylor Swift emerges or Lennon McCartney, they can get their 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 uh, their masters back after ten years or something like that. So they can like can, they can begin to make money back or have ownership. Sure, and that would that would kind of be in the hands of a really savvy lawyer. But a lot of people, when you're 15 years old, have no leverage to negotiate with a big label. And this is kind of what has t- happened to Taylor Swift. Yeah. So the um, and, the, and the argument for the label side is a 15-year-old Taylor Swift, if without the infrastructure of a, a big machine record label or Scott Bruschetta, never ascends to the height. It has to be a symbiotic relationship for her to succeed at that level. Yeah. And at that time, that might have been true. But nowadays, with YouTube and stuff, you can kind of make it on your own, Potentially, right? but not at that level. Like, Bieber was on YouTube, yeah, you but it takes a Scooter Braum and a label and like um, an infrastructure in order to like explode. Set up tours, uh, get your music into movies and all that stuff. You're going to need some sort of manager or a label that you sign with that knows how to do those things usually so it's like what does that deal look like and i guess i guess that that, that's the uh i think max what you were trying to say is like for every taylor swift there's about 400 people that sign some sort of publishing deal that the label or the investor loses money on. oh of course i mean like we've lost money labels like your band lost money labels oh big time yeah we didn't break up because we didn't want to give the money back yeah we might have to on the record deal. that's right yeah we're still together and available for weddings (laughs) (laughs) and so the um but what what why the taylor thing feels a little hollow or not hollow but maybe a little petty or this whole thing feels a little frivolous is that we're not she's not chuck berry she has been able to like so much of her business is in sponsorship it's on the live side like she has the highest grossing tour of the year whenever she goes out on tour like she she has been the like the benefactor not only of writing incredible songs and being really incredibly hardworking and a savvy business person but also the fact that when she was 15 or 16 years old Scott Borchetta identified her and said okay you know how much a radio campaign start like cost to like to launch a country artist in 2005 hundreds of thousands of dollars so like there was an initial investment period and of course it went gangbusters immediately so good on everybody but like where somebody like Scott Borchetta needed to pony up his money his relationships and his infrastructure out of nashville to make this thing go so is scott borchetta and scooter braun being like unfairly compensated like pro yeah probably it's like but i think scott borchetta is probably worthy to a degree of making his money back and then some because he was a part of launching the most successful yeah, you take the risks so you can yeah, hit the lotto yeah so so, so then well so think th- of music like an think of music like an iphone 
or something like that. Think of, think of music like a product. Like a product, yeah. So if, if venture capitalists invest in that product and it takes off and it, it's an Instagram, and Instagram becomes this ubiquitous thing that everybody uses, right? It's like there's the person that created Instagram, the creator, right? Like the person that made the app. They will get paid handsomely for their 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 vision and their sort of uh, innovation. And, their and there's the investors. Work. And then there's the people that put the money in yeah. and they'll also get paid at a certain high percentage. And the way that capitalism and business works is ultimately we all get paid and it, your app doesn't launch if we don't all pour in $400,000 each. So then, of course, we all get paid off of that. Now, the question is, and I think people have a, a problem uh, distinguishing the two, is music a product the way that, say, an iPhone or Instagram is a product? I'd say, I mean, Instagram is an incredibly like creative tool, yeah. like is a creative um, product in the same way that like writing a song is, I think, a creative product. Exactly. I, th- I think there's like a genius in both. So I and 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 I'm sure the person who created Instagram, I've heard him on a podcast, would say like, "Oh yeah, this is like took me like wandering around thinking about like the best platform for sharing photos and in the same way a creative thinks about like a, writing a book or writing a piece of music." Um, yeah, the you know when something like this happens, I, I always go. All right, what's the solution here? And I know, and to Taylor's credit, she has identified issues of unfairness in the music industry when it comes to streaming royalties. And she references in her uh, note to Scott Brochetta, she said, I signed with Lucian because I could have a positive effect on the industry. And I think in her announcement with Universal that she just signed this year, she said, um, no, I should know this because I... Arkells are on Universal and this actually affects my life. <laughs> but basically, I think because she said, if I'm signed with Universal, Universal must pay back or must begin to pay the streaming royalties to artists before they recoup their album. Like they're, they're, they're Basically, she did something to stand Some up Some sort artists. of language that will change yeah. the paradigm. Yeah, which, which is fucking amazing. So, so God bless her. But I'm just kind of curious to know. It's like, yeah, what is the solution to this thing that we're in right now where it's like people are mad that scott borchetta so you were saying actually though that it's more about just the functionality of the working arrangement that's the most infuriating yeah or it's not it's less about the money well i think that people on its face they go taylor swift wrote the songs why is this old record label guy even have a say in this it's her create like she she's the picasso yeah. why are these other people dealing with her art and selling her paintings and why are they even getting a cut of the action yeah it's like well this is the infrastructure well, this has always been the case and this is how it works but i think that's why they're having such a visceral reaction because they go you know person writes song person should make money off song why does she even have to deal with other people it's like well in the early days when she was launching to become what she is a lot of people invested in it like an app or or anything like that but but i think music is one of those rare things that that it's it's hard for people to to see it as like a product, but there is a whole industry built on the idea of commoditizing. I might use that word. Uh, I might not pronounce it right. Uh, music and songs like that is the, that's why it's called the music business. Yeah, and for any for for any song, any great transcendent song to be heard, it does take like a factory of humans. All this shit that no one ever like, sees. Yeah, to launch the song. And to make sure that it's being played on the radio, and there's like radio people knocking on the door at radio stations, and gets into every. And then market. there's people that are you know greasing up you know advertising agencies to make sure that it gets into a commercial. There's a lot of like business being had on behalf of that piece of art. Yes, that but is, nowadays that is, is that the same? Like I heard Post Malone just threw White Iverson up online, and then it blew up on its own. There and- are examples. It is changing mm-hmm. for sure, and there are definitely examples of songs that sort of just like have a life of their own. But I do think there is real merit to like building an artist's career and and 
playing within that system. Well, also, a lot of people have said like the, the internet has been this great sort of equalizer. It's they said, and I don't know how true it is. It has cut out the middleman, so that you talk direct to consumer. So like a Post Malone or like anyone. Yeah, there's that, YouTubers who just are millionaires now just for putting stuff on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. so, they've already cut out say a television network. In the past, yeah. in order to be David Letterman, you needed a, a, to go and someone had to hire you. You had to get a TV show and it had to be a network and all that stuff. YouTube has changed that paradigm. Uh, and then for music though. I think it has, like, like you said, someone like Post Malone can drop like you know a demo or a mixtape and become super famous. But then he does go into a system, an infrastructure that already exists that involves touring and arrangement in the business of music. Now, when you have the leverage, you can sign a deal. I would imagine that like is more beneficial to you. But when you're 15 year old Taylor Swift, and again, this happened in what like 1999 or 2000 when she signed the deal. When, when was it? 2004. Uh, it was like 2004. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. But it's like, and maybe things were different then. So I don't. Do you think things are changing? Yeah, I think I think things are changing for sure, but. I also think that like the music industry has has adapted and figured out how to be in business with with like SoundCloud rappers or people who throw up a song on YouTube. And then and then and then Post Malone realizes, "Oh, in order for me to make even more money, I need to tour. I'm going to sign a deal with Live Nation so they'll produce my whole tour and they'll give me a bunch of money up front and then they'll they'll take a cut of the money for producing the tour because if you want like a high-level world-class inter- tour, you need to be able to front a bunch of money to pay for production, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how those that those old infrastructures become involved in something new. Um, but uh, would you guys, I guess my question is, do you guys have sympathy for Taylor? Or <laughs> like, yeah, that, that that's where I'm kind of, because this is all a public relations That's kind of the heart study, of what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Which is so fucking amazing because as I said off the top, it's like this never happens in public. And the fact that everybody is airing this dirty laundry is amazing well mike and i are always talking about lately i find how you're the hero or the villain and then you're the hero again and it's so uh, cyclical and yeah. i feel like uh, taylor's on a bit of a villain tip right now yeah so right now i'm kind of like i hate taylor uh-huh but you know she in a couple of years I, i'd probably uh love her but i think if is a guy that, is that a plug for her new album lover coming on our august no 23rd. see i always do unintentional puns I'm like you <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like don't trust the guy named scooter it's <laughs> Like, it's not his real name. He's been given the moniker Scooter. Like, it's very weaselly name. And I think there's a reason. Like, he'll just scoot off with your cash and shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be the... the the name of this, off with your cash. That be the of this episode. He was actually on Bill Simmons podcast like a maybe a year and a half ago. How'd he seem? Pretty enlightened, smart dude. He's from New York, but then he went to Atlanta for school, um, for college, and he became a, a like a club promoter. He was sort of the nut of Atlanta. Yeah, was like I'm not kidding. And he, um, and th- and then he, that's where he met like a bunch of the hip hop dudes in Atlanta, like Ludacris. And I th- remember when um, Bieber came out, he was kind of connected with Usher and Ludacris. And th- those, that's, yeah, th- those guys were Atlanta guys. Uh, so that, anyway. Yeah, Ludacris rapped on Baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he, he's done an incredible job. You know, um, Call Me Maybe is a hit because he seeded that on the internet with Bieber kind of dancing to it. And then he signed Carly yeah, Rae Jepsen. And that obviously is one of the biggest songs of the summer of all time. So he's super fucking savvy. He's also sort of politically engaged too. He, like he's very anti-gun violence, uh, and his I think his wife runs like a cancer thing. Like I don't know, he, the guy has a lot going on. Well, to get a wife like that too, you got to be pretty slick. <laughs> or just rich. Yeah. Well, Max, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I think. I, okay, so so my thing with Taylor and anything like this. So it's like. 
in any kind of issue like this, there's sort of like I, right and wrong is is going to be based on your perspective. If you're a business person, you're going to go, well, this is how the business works. And Taylor, like you knew that when you got into the industry or maybe you didn't, but at least your parents did. If you're Taylor, you're going to go, well, I'm an artist and my music is pure. And why are all these people profiting off my stuff? Well, it's like there's an answer to that. So it's like when people get upset about this sort of thing, I think they're getting upset at the most black and white version of it. Person writes song, person should get paid for that song. Why is anyone else involved? It's like, well, okay, there's a nuance to that. Um, regardless of all of that and what's right and wrong, I think that what you should never do is get in a public forum and air your dirty laundry. I think that is like, that's like, that's public relations 101. And I know that she's an extremely powerful person and she probably feels completely untouchable and she's like, fuck it, I'm going to speak up and I don't care and I am pissed. I'm on one right now, so I'm going to just do it. I'm Taylor Swift, fuck it. It's like, go for it. I wonder how many times in her career she's wanted to write a blog about something that's pissed her off. Oh, well, yeah. that, that's how she uses her music, right? That, that's yeah. basically like a lyrical it's kind of blog. a brand. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's kind of a cool move. Just skip the system and say, fuck it and put it out there. I do. I, 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 like, listen, so what I'm saying is it's like, I think it's great for people like us because it's fodder for podcasts. Well, and it's effective for, uh, f- to get what she wants. Like, it's making these people look very bad to her fans. Like, to her fans, though, but I think to a lot of other people, they go... To do adults, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it's, I, I think here's why it's, I think it's kind of not a great move for her. To Max's point, it's like people are kind of looking at it going, "Well, this is kind of petulant. Like this is the business. Like you signed a deal, he sold your catalog." And not only is it the business, is that when you see the response from other people, you go, "Oh, actually, maybe I kind of identify." But more now with- we're all talking about like making like a paradigm shift in the way that the music is is done, the music industry, right? So it's gotten us all talking. Everyone's yeah. thinking about it. Here's the second way. part, though. Why I don't think it's a good idea. Is because she still has to work with these people. It'd be one thing if she was like, I want to flame these fuckers, burn this bridge. They still own her Yeah, music. but she's she's Michael Jordan. You're going to pass him the ball no matter what, or her the ball in this case, or the well, guitar well, in this case. That's true. Well, uh, but what's interesting, too, is that there is an argument to be made. I mean, Taylor Swift obviously is incredibly powerful, and she's probably maybe with Beyonce and Ardell, like the top female act in the world, probably. Yeah. Though, but Scooter Braun goes, sure, you're Taylor Swift, but I, I work with Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, you know, Kyler, like go, go down the line. So like collectively between all the power Borchetta has in country music and Scooter Braun has in pop music, they actually have more power than Taylor on a certain level. <clears throat> like when they're um, jockeying for radio spins and like I, those are behind closed door conversations that, that I wonder when, when there's like a radio festival happening, I'll give you like a specific example. Um, you know, I can imagine Scooter going, do you want Bieber, Ariana Grande, Carly Rae Jepsen? Uh, and he manages a bunch of other acts. Uh, you want all those people to play your radio festival in L.A.? Well, Taylor can't be on the bill. And then that fucks over Taylor when it comes to radio spins. So there is a bunch of shit that could happen. I don't know. Taylor writes a, a big hit and everyone wants to see it. Like, but, but here's the thing, though. But the nature of music is fickle. What if her next hit isn't a hit? And then mm-hmm. her first. Well, she bets on her future. Well, she did. But her that. and her first two songs though are not oh, they that great. Suck. Yeah. I would bet. I would bet on the past. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and and let me clarify too. I do empathize with Taylor a lot. I understand her anger. I do get why she's mad because here's the deal. Like you said, Scooter works with Bieber. He works with Ariane. He, uh, he has all this power, and so he, of course, he wants to work with Taylor. Taylor's like, I don't want anything to do with you, bro. He's bought his way into Taylor being on his roster now. He now has her under his sort of like um, whatever you want to call flow chart of power and she's like dude i never signed up for that and because of some deal i signed when i was 15 i'm now kind of fucked and i don't want to be in business with you but you bought me 
And that is a terrible feeling. And so I understand the anger, and I do empathize with it. Imagine she stopped playing her hits from like the first five albums. Would that fuck over it's on Scooter? The, it's on the table. It would, I mean, there's another fuck over the fans. There's another scenario mm-hmm. yeah. where she re-records all those albums, so she owns the masters. Because the master is the the master original recording. That's where oh, that term good comes from. So people, so people have said that like that's actually a hypothetical. Like where someone's like she gets on the the train to Brooklyn and she goes to Jack Antonoff's apartment and they just re-record mm-hmm. all, all those albums. Redo the whole. Is record. that allowed, or do you need to change it? Like to no, no, no. You can. Oh. She owns the songwriting. Like so, it's like it's her songs. Oh, it's cool. just the master recording itself would have to be changed for her to own it, and she and she'd pay for it. The way you own a master recording is that you you put the money up for it. So she, okay. she could hypothetically re-record all this shit, oh, cool. which is really funny. That would, it be, would be like a massive waste of time. Do, do, do you know if they have like publishing or like you know the rights to play live and all that stuff? Like, I think so. When, when you own the master recording, like you have access to those revenue streams, right? Um, but those would go away if she re-recorded the song. Yeah. So then, when she played, like, oh, I, I, good question. Like, who would own? Exactly. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's it's a messy situation. But back to the sort of like airing your 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 dirty laundry in public. What are your feelings on what Taylor did? Um, I kind of find that when I'm dealing with music industry myself, like there's, there's two ways to look at it. One is like, it's your life. It's so personal. It's like this idea of some guy who I fucking hate. I have to be in business with. But, and then I also try to step back a little bit and go, this is all frivolous bullshit. Like who cares? Like Taylor Swift is so wildly successful beyond anyone's wildest dreams that it's like, all right, so this guy fucking owns your first four records. If you could either be pissed off about it or you just play nice and you'll make more money as a result of him working your uh, your product. Because I think, I imagine she'd still, she still makes money from those recordings I think that's well. probably where the scooter people are coming from. Where they're like, yo, well, chill well, it's out. Like, it's like, We're I all going to make a, proud, a billion bucks together. proud custodian of, of the work. So let's yeah. do this fucking together. And I just find like I just have less patience for... Because it's all fun and games. It's all funny money at this point. Um, I have just less patience for Taylor getting like that bent out of shape about it. Well, I think it has a lot to do with principle too. When yeah. when you have so much money, that's all it's about. Sure, that's a good kind point. of all that's left in some ways mm-hmm. is your principles and what you'll stand up for. Because yeah, that's, like that's, a, said, that's a good point. There's nothing left you can't buy. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I, I just I just find that like you know I'm in a much smaller tax bracket. Yeah, you would never pull this shit because you're in like a hot air balloon ascending right now. You wouldn't want anyone to like fuck with the weather. Sure. But also I just find that like there's much bigger problems out there in the world that I just like, I always think that my job is such a fucking joke. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And and there's probably like you're saying, there's times where you could have burned bridges at shit you were mad about. Yeah. And then you were like, Oh, just no. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, to Shane's point, probably not worth it because it'd probably create a shit storm. But also, I think pragmatically, I'm I'm more into like let, let's play nice and like try to even if there's people you don't. Totally yeah, you have love, a very but... normal temperament for like a di- diva type. Person. <laughs> You're on the more normal scale of the divas. Yeah. Here would um here's a question, guys. If something ha- if some big public thing like this happened, yeah. would you jump to my defense on Instagram? Would you guys post a, like a note defending my uh, character? I would. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Easy. <laughs> Shane, Shane likes to mix it up though on the old internets. Yeah, he would get in there for sure. Well, you got to defend your your pal. That's true. And especially if you believe in your pal. Yeah, you would. I, I would just make sure uh, Alex like spell checked it and all that. Hundred percent. You wouldn't. Mike, you would wouldn't you defend me? I'd defend you. I'd really? defend you. Well, I'd have to look at you know me. I, like I'd like to look at every angle. 
are you in the right? Are you in the wrong? Like, it's hard for me to blind defend anything. Uh-huh. I like I like new I nuance, baby. That's what life is about. It's not black and white for me. But on first blush, do I defend you? Of course, you're one of my best friends in the world. I would defend you. But I have implicit trust that anything Max did would have good reason. You don't know him very well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, yeah. Like it's like uh, yeah. No, listen, you know what, I would no. defend you. Would Would you defend <clears throat> me blindly? No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm always of the uh, sort of of like the the Larry David school. Like, ah, don't don't bother. Stop. Don't like you know like be quiet. Yeah, I'm, the whole thing. Like, I was just thinking of like Lauren defending my honor and like in the way that Scooter Braun's thing did. And I just like Lauren would never do that. In a million years. Oh yeah, and she would. Uh, and and I I wouldn't want her to either. Like I I just feel like. Me being the center of attention to that degree, I just like, guys, just carry on with your day. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, it's fine. That would be my dream if Alex defended me in some beautiful way. She would. <laughs> she would do that. I too. don't know. I of course she would. I don't. I don't know. I got a Father's Day card from her, and it was just like, thanks for looking after me when I was hungover. I was like, that's it. <laughs> I'm writing like poetry and like I'm crying at what I've written to her. And like, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed with the Father's Day card, but yeah, th- I did. I did really think uh, Yale defended her her yeah. man pretty well. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was uh, that was a very effective post. Yeah, that was very very impressive. Um, but it is interesting because Taylor's obviously going to have all the artists on her side uh, because artists. I mean, aside from Max, who seems to be leaning more like uh, <laughs> more Borchetta. <laughs> well, you need to kiss a guy like Borchetta's ass well, more I than Taylor. You know, I have Borchetta's number. Well, yeah. Have you asked him about this yet? I haven't texted him yet. Oh. Should I? You should, yeah. Hey, man. Tough couple days. Uh, <laughs> I got your back, buddy. Just say that. <laughs> but please don't post this. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez, Louise. Um, no, you know what? It's, um, you, know, you know what it really is? Uh, and I should know better because I, time and time again, I, I have to remind myself that like you don't know what it's like to be in someone's shoes until you experienced it yourself but whenever i see any act like bigger musician getting upset about anything i always go what are you mad about it's life is good man wow so that that's and so that's not taylor specific that's just generally when i hear any like um yeah massively successful act like pulling a temper tantrum or being like unhappy about something i'm like do you know like jobs people have like fuck off like that's that's usually my attitude, so that that's where my instinct for being. You'd be a good sh- uh, musician mediator. I feel like. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. I think. I, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I think you I, have the ability to sort of understand both sides, though. I think that's one of your talents. Is like you can understand the business side, which you're savvy at, and you're also an artist, so you can understand sort of the emotional connection to the music and being a creator. And you sort of live in both places. Yeah, and also I'd say that um, the. Like just even my parents, like and their jobs and what they do, it's like teacher, social worker. It's just like also this is all. Who gives a shit? This is like not actually important. It's entertainment. Baby. It's just fucking entertainment. Who yeah. gives a fuck? Yeah. There's like way bigger problems out there. Uh, yeah. Like I was trying to. Uh, what was I? I was talking to Lauren. Yet last night I picked her up. She was finishing a shift at the hospital. She's a nurse, and I forget what I was trying to go on about. I think the Taylor Swift thing, and she's like. Max, I don't fucking care. I like no. you know what I fucking do. You know how much like shit I cleaned up today. Like I know literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. So. Do they still wear like the short skirt with the white the hat with the the red cross on it? Yeah, p- push up right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse outfit. <laughs> Get a <up> Malabar. <laughs> what do they wear? Do they wear like scrubs? 
Oh yeah, she's yeah. I actually like I can show you the photo. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like blue, blue like ill forming, uh, ill f- uh, form fitting scrubs. Yeah. Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that's quite the topic. Uh, do we do we head to Mandarin or? Uh, yeah, let's get to Mandarin. Let's go to Mandarin. All you can eat buffet. So the Mandarin is in the news. Uh, CBC.ca uh, has a story. Mandarin's free Canada Day buffet for citizens panned as discrimination. Social media lights up over rule that diners must prove Canadian citizenship to get the free buffet. So Mandarin, in some sort of uh, promotion, was like, listen, it's Canada Day. If you come in here and you're a Canadian citizen, you eat for free. Uh, But bring your passport or birth certificate with you. You got it, my friend. Uh, In order to prove that you are a Canadian citizen, you needed a... Passport, like Shane said, uh, Canadian citizenship, like card type deal, uh, or any sort of proof that you are in fact a Canadian citizen. Uh, I guess there's an uproar about this because it's di- it's discriminatory. I guess for- it, yeah, for people who aren't officially Canadian citizens. So so I, so yeah, okay. So so I guess the issue is, but 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 the promotion is you get a free meal if you're a Canadian citizen. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the the issue is that there are people that live in Canada that don't have the paperwork yet. And they don't get the free meal. Yeah, they're just on like a work visa. They're seeing, or, or they're, they're new in town. And they sorry, is it. the issue that it's discrimination it, against people? But, but is the issue that like if you're here, no matter what, you should get the free meal? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it can't just be for Canadian. It's like health care. Like if you live in Canada but aren't a Canadian citizen, you can still get health care if you're like a landed immigrant, right? But you're not a Canadian citizen. The second I heard this story, though, I knew the rationale behind it. First thing I did, I was like, Do they have a Mandarin in Niagara Falls? <laughs> yes. Is, <laughs> is there you go? Is Buffalo like I would never say it's uh shithole or anything like that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But that's the the reason because a lot of people are f- I was just in Buffalo for Canada Day and it I, was fucking I love, awesome. I love, I love Buffalo. When I say I wouldn't say it's a shithole, I'm not being funny here. Right. But Mandarin's probably looking at it like, oh, there's a lot of buildings boarded up over there. A free buffet meal probably sounds pretty good. They've done this five other times in the past, and I bet you people ran for the border. It caused a bunch of issues Shit, there. You did your research. They've done it five times in the past. So you think you okay. You well, th- in the article, it has the dates. So, yeah. so you think it's a, a Buffalo Americans invading Canada issue for the free meal? Hundred percent. Okay, I think. Okay, then maybe that is the issue. I think it's a little more interesting. That's a practical issue. That's a practical issue. People are arguing the philosophical. The ph- issue. Yeah, there's like human rights lawyers that are getting involved in this fucking thing. Yeah, everybody wants a free meal. Well, yeah. that's the problem. So Mandarin doesn't want to say, "Okay, here's the problem." Buffalo's a little destitute and people are coming over for the free meals. They can't say that. So they, they nearly be- put us out of business in Niagara Falls. Yeah. Right? yeah. So uh, the um, the thing which I find, there's a lot of parts which I find funny about this thing is that the, the beautiful like idea of Canada is that you can come from anywhere, retain your own culture, will celebrate your own culture, and but you can also be Canadian. So uh, you know, we celebrate the Chinese New Year. There's li- like Little Italy. There's the Greek communities. Like, there's so many communities from all around the world that live in Canada that are proud Canadians. Like, you know, when we when we played uh, Canada in Victoria or, and in Ottawa back to back years, the, it was w- way more like new Canadians at this thing than white people. I'm not kidding. It was like the white people were all at their fucking cottage. Like the new Canadians all came to Parliament Hill. Like draped in Canada yeah. gear because yeah. they're just so so much pride, so much pride in so being, pride a in being yeah. here, and and so this is an Asian establishment, a Chinese establishment, Mandarin, 
uh, going, hey, like, let's, we're kind of returning, not returning the favor, but like, we want to be a part of this. Like, we serve Chinese food, but we are so also proud to be Canadians. And let's celebrate that. And here's kind of a goofy promotion where bringing your Canadian citizenship uh, yeah. papers and meals on us. Like, because even though we, did, we weren't necessarily born here, we want to see. So you think love. those schlubs from Buffalo should be able to enjoy a free meal? No, no, no. I'm, okay, Buffalo aside, because okay. that, that is funny. That is probably on a practical level true but let's but there's mandarins across the country that weren't dealing with idiots from buffalo so right let's, let's talk about because I, I think the uproar was less about buffalo and more about the pull up that article literally there's like human rights lawyers oh yeah of course well yeah. just like pull up, give me a couple quotes from there so uh, there's some tweets like obviously mandarin says celebrate blah blah bring your id and then people had responded uh, someone named uh, jonah on twitter said what an excellent way to lose temporary and permanent residents uh, clients i like to skip lines so i wouldn't celebrate my Canada Day on mandarin anyways thanks for letting me know that i'm not welcome in your restaurant though i personally don't have a problem with that at all i'm a proud canadian uh, more than happy to show proof so some people are positive uh, this is awesome i'll enjoy a free meal uh Someone says, this is gross. This doesn't honor Canada Day. I'd rather pay to eat at some place that doesn't discriminate. Uh, someone says, I'm an international student and shame on your requirements. I will never come back to you even after I get citizenship. So this becomes an issue of social justice, really. Uh, so something that was seemingly supposed to be sort of like a feel-good thing has become an issue of discrimination. Right. Um, which is not probably what the people at Mandarin conceived of when they were thinking like not in a million years did they think like oh this thing that we thought we were being so nice about they thought only buffalo would be mad yeah, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and, and i find and i to be honest i wouldn't have predicted this either usually when uh, a corporation does some sort of pr thing you can you can tell that they've thought a lot about like who are people we're possibly offending and let's make sure that we don't do that, yeah. right? And I don't think the Mandarin that ever crossed their mind. This was supposed to be just something that was awesome, dude. So, so is the like? Do you think that if they're going to offer promotion for Canada Day, it just should be everyone eats free? Yeah, that should be the promotion across yes. the board. Don't yeah. worry about bringing ID; just everyone eats free. Or they thought they were being cute by like having people bring your proof. papers in. Yeah, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. So, I think the way the Mandarin probably gets around it if they want to do something like this next year is they say like prove your love for Canada prove your love for being part of this country that accepts all kinds of people and meals on us and like bring Imagine it- for pride you had to prove you were gay and you got a free meal <laughs> <laughs> and no bisexuals and huge capital letters outside <laughs> <laughs> uh, go through your Instagram. Like, I saw you kissing a girl. You're out. <laughs> they knock. Yeah, they kick you out of pride. You're getting dragged out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess that's. I guess it's an ill-conceived concept because. But here's the thing: you're being exclusive, and you never want to be exclusive. But I think as they've been doing this for a while, though. Yeah, and no one gave a shit. It's just like this. We're in that age yeah. where you know you're going to point out any yeah. little thing. Yeah, but I do. But it's so, so if you said like bring in your Canadian citizenship papers or like wear your finest Canada gear on Canada Day in our restaurant and meals on us, but um, it just feels like um, out of all the the things that are unjust, is that a word? Unjust? Yeah, I know. I, there's a lot of injustice. unjust. Unjust. There's I injustice. Know. I think unjust is a word. <laughs> is it, Mike? Oh, I'd have to look it up. And whatever. All the things that are unfair in our culture. These kinds of stories always bother me a little bit because it's like the time spent getting outraged about this would be just better served in some other place that really needs... Like waiting in line for five hours? 
what? Oh, I'm just saying. Um, oh, I'm yeah, like, like, yeah. Waiting in line or like getting getting a, like because I I actually have an issue with uh, free stuff people giving away free stuff okay. i think it's the most annoying thing in the world <laughs> okay. people are always acting like um time is so important like time's more important than money yeah but anytime like tim horton's like it's free timbit day yeah. there's a five hour line <laughs> and it's just annoying like imagine you just wanted to go to mandarin like yeah. with your family to celebrate mm. canada day and now you got to wait in an eight hour line oh it's out yeah you can't go now yeah, there should be like a separate dining room. It's never worth it. it. For all the people, like temporary citizens who can't go, it's it's honestly a good thing. Yeah, we're doing you a favor. Yeah. It's some, just, people, some people do need a free meal though, man. Like if you're a student or your family doesn't it make a lot of money income-wise. Like I don't work, know. Okay, work an eight-hour shift at McDonald's then and then you'll, you'll get more money. <laughs> no, it's just such a waste of valuable time. Right. I find. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get I get the waiting in line argument. Like, do you, would you ever wait in line for a free donut? No, but I'm doing pretty good, man. Okay, you know, like that's like I don't I like I have empathy for someone that would wait in line for free donut. I need, guess if it's homeless, if you're homeless, and I guess you well, can't there's always get a, a mix job. of people. There's the people that just love free shit. Like they cannot turn down free shit. Like let's say that they were giving out free Nikes, but it was five sizes too big for you. There are people that are going to want those. Free, they can yeah. be the ugliest shoes in the world. They could not fit your feet, but you will wait because just on principle, I'm waiting in line for free stuff. And there's people that actually really need shit. So they're like, fuck, I actually do need a pair of shoes. So I am going to wait the five hours. I, like, I, I'm not either of those people. So, like, it's hard for me to, like, be like, these people are silly. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Do what you got to do. Oh, I just think it, it's a huge waste of time. And I think if you are actually homeless or whatever, you can get food at a homeless shelter. This might be another reason the Mandarin wants ID is because then they actually weed out a lot of people that are homeless who won't have proper citizenship ah, good point. ID. Good point. So uh, that could be a thing. Sure. Yeah. So, but I but but I do lean toward Max. Like of all the things to get upset about, like we're all going to target the Mandarin now because they tried to do a free promotion. And, and yeah, that was like it's supposed to be kind of feel good. It was not supposed to hurt anybody's feelings, and then it, like it turned into that thing. And, and now, I, I think that's just like what we all any anybody who's like a progressive who wants to like to see change and wants to be generous and look out for their community, just like just be mindful of when you take to social media over like something like this, where you're like, uh, is this? Is this really where, is this really where we, the, the, the hill you want to die on kind of thing? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. So, to, to sum it up, Taylor's got to chill, and the Mandarin is not raging xenophobics. Yeah. All right. I think so. <laughs> That's a funny idea. That's good enough. Uh, are, we, are we doing a third topic or no? Let's do it. I'm okay. down. You what down? Well, if, uh, let's do the Danny Green thing. That I'm w- very surprised how down the room got over this Mandarin story. I thought it was way more frivolous and fun. Oh, it was hilarious. I'm not down about it at all. all. Right. No, no, I loved it. It's yeah. more Buffalo humor, but everyone seemed to get mad at it. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I kidding, by the way, because I honestly do really like Buffalo. <laughs> and I know you just vacationed there with your wife. It was great. I love it Buffalo. Was, yeah. It was great. Good, good pals in Buffalo. Shouts to Tim Maroney. He's probably listening to this right now. What up, Tim? Love Buffalo. Um, okay, so our last story of the day uh, is Danny Green, um, shooting guard of the Toronto Raptors, although who knows how much longer as we are in free agency. Uh, had a bunch of camps all across Canada. I guess he did a camp in Ottawa, yep. I want to say. And there was a CBC reporter uh, that interviewed Danny. And during the interview, I, they talked about all the things that would be talked about typically at a camp. And then after the interview, the CBC reporter posted a photo um, where Danny at his camp was charging something like, for like a t-shirt and a photo and a signature. There was like a monetary value. 25 bucks for a photo. 25 for a photo, like 50 for a A signature. Yeah. Signature on the photo. Whatever. There was like, there was like a tiered pricing system for things like a photo, a signature and a t-shirt and a t-shirt. 
whatever. So this the CBC reporter after he interviews Danny posts online. Uh, is this something that most athletes do? Does anyone know if NHL athletes do this? Just for the record, Danny Green makes ten million uh, U.S. a year, and he's charging for this. So the implication by this reporter is basically it's like, how dare Danny like do this? Danny responds, speaking of speaking out and, and whatever, Danny replies to the Twitter. He's like, is it common for reporters to sort of fangirl out while they're talking to me and not bring this up in the in the interview and then try to, like, embarrass me after? I'm I think he's a fanboy, but yeah. yeah. Fanboy. Yeah. Uh, I'm embarrassing. Uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing all of this, sorry. Yeah. And um, I guess the question is, and by the way, I do think that that reporter was absolutely trying to sort of embarrass Danny, especially like when of he course. when he compared it to NHL players. Like, what the fuck does that have to do with yeah, anything? That was weird. Yeah. Like when he's like, "Does anyone know if NHL players do this?" Two, the reporter then had to backtrack. He's like, "I did see this before I talked to you, but I thought it would ruin the vibe of the interview." Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. He's like, "So I will admit that." It's just like, anyway, the way that was all handled is sort of a social media. I don't know. I guess faux pas or just kind of got messy, messy and weird. And it's kind of weird that Danny even responded to him. Anyway. I guess my question is, uh, what do we think about athletes who make ten million US a year charging for things that are that cost nothing, like photos and signatures? Well, uh, it it was jarring to see that photo to see like okay, fifty bucks for a t shirt, a little expensive for a t shirt, but if you go to any concert, that t shirts can cost that much money, and you're also like have to print it and ship it. Like there's there's, there's, there's there's a cost that, but it was jarring to see a photo cost twenty five dollars or a signature cost twenty five dollars. So. Um, my issue kind of back to the Mandarin and like being a corporation or being a brand and Danny Green is a corporation and a brand. It's like just the lack of foresight that he had that that would be a bad look. So, you know, he said that he was paying his staff with some of the money. It's like, first of all, don't judge me. You don't know how I'm running my business. That money doesn't go to me and my $10 million a year. It goes to like, you know, outfitting this whole operation. And for all we know, Danny, what it costs to go into Montreal and set up a camp and rent the venue and do all this stuff yeah. and hire the people that it's involved. Maybe it costs, maybe you lose money. Maybe on you're losing like money. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, you don't want to necessarily uh, speculate on people's uh, business. So, but it, I did think it was bad. Ooh, no, it was, a, it was an unwise move of Danny to, to charge for those things because it is, I think, pretty uncommon. And he's just kind of asking for criticism. Is my take. Well, I think you got to uh, know your own value, and if people are willing to pay, do it. Like, I mean, really? Well, if if you just see Danny on the street and you get a photo with him, that's I'm, I'm sure he's not going to charge you. But if you're guaranteed to get Danny's time, he's going to stand there in a huge. You're already paying to go to this camp, right? And uh, well, I'm sure. Like, let's say Arkells. I'm sure there's special VIP packages, and sure. if you pay a certain amount, you get to give Max a hug and a kiss in the cheek, uh-huh. right? Well, yeah, the, the VIP packages include like a, Q, a Q&A, uh, an acoustic performance, a photo op signature. Like, so you're right. Like, we, we have upcharge. But it's part, it's part of a, a bigger package where it includes a particular experience that not everybody else at the show gets. And it's also like an additional hour and a half out of our day schedule. It's just like... Yeah, so this is like taking time no, no, out of Danny's day. It's not, not everyone totally. in the camp gets it. No, so, so, this, so, no you're, so this just goes back to the way it was rolled out, which is, which is the problem. I don't necessarily have a problem with Danny Green trying to monetize things that he's doing and, and the time it would take to take all the photos with the 300 campers and the thing. Like I, I totally get that, but it was just rolled out really poorly. Like It, it shouldn't have been framed like 
pitcher twenty five dollars. That's just like was jarring. It was kind of gross. I looking. guess, but and you act like oh, it's something that's free, and then you see all these guys waiting outside with memorabilia or multiple laminates of Danny's photo, and he signs them, and then they go off and sell them on eBay, and yeah. they make a profit off them. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it was. I'm, I'm saying it's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're passionate about Mandarin issues. This is my thing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you, you understand what I'm saying. I think it's right? a bad. I think it's. I think, I think, think no matter look. what, it's a bad look. I absolutely, and I don't think people are having a nuanced sort of um, thought process like Shane is about it. And, and I get 100 percent what Shane's saying, but I'm just saying when you look at this handwritten thing that looks like it was kind of printed out. Like I also think players are underpaid too. Right. Well, I, I completely agree with like as far as supply and demand. If we want to talk about capitalism, like LeBron James is grossly underpaid as. I've talked about this a million times, but we won't get super deep into that. Uh, but I think that like Danny Green at $10 million a year is probably properly played or maybe even a little overpaid, to be honest, for what he generates. People don't come out to see Danny Green, but he contributes to winning. I think LeBron James, if you compare him to someone like Bruce Springsteen, if Bruce Springsteen goes into 82 venues a year, Bruce, there's no cap to what he can make and what he charges. LeBron James can only make $35 well, it, million a year. Let's say Danny Green hit the Game 7 yeah. shot instead of Kawhi, which he very well... Sure. Could have, could have. That becomes he becomes more valuable as an entertainer. Right, but he's a sharpshooter who really could have helped us a lot in the playoffs. Totally. And there's a bunch of other guys in the league that can do what Danny can do. I mean, like I mean, this is kind of the, now we're getting into the weeds. But I do think that like uh, I think if you run a camp and there's costs involved, you can absolutely charge for those things. I do think that it's going to be weird for like Joe, you know, dude on the street to see that a guy that makes two ten million dollars US a year is charging kids ostensibly at a camp who are already paying to be at the camp an extra fifty dollars for a photo. This this would be the other <laughs> argument. That's yeah. like, you know, these kids can afford to go to a camp. Sure. You know. But but listen, like, is it a bad look? Yeah. Does he have a right to charge it? He certainly has a right, but yeah. I mean like I think it's gonna make him less likable. Yeah. To people. Don't you think? Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's literally just like a rollout, a, like a poorly executed rollout. So, question: uh, Next time um, we want to sell Mike on Much Gear to yeah. people in the parking lot. And by the way, DM us if you want any Mike on Much Gear. That's how we've been doing it. Do we charge for a photo? No. What you do is you cleverly attach it into like a VIP package. <laughs> <laughs>